On today's episode, we discuss Joshua Phillips and Edward Gingrich. This is Bad in the Boondocks, baby. And welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Stan. And I'm Drew. And as always, we're glad that you're here. Yes, we are. We're very glad for everybody that has given us a review in the past week. We've gotten some yeah. really super ones, especially one said that they oh love Drew's cute little <laughs> giggle. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. And um, But if you haven't, please do go and rate and review us. Yeah, definitely. Also, remember, we are now have premium membership only episodes on Himalaya. That app is one that I've always used to listen to podcasts, but it's a lot easier than Patreon or any of that. But you'll also get a better deal going to Himalaya and becoming a member there. It's $4.99 a month. You'll get a mini episode every other week and you will get a full episode every month. Yes. That's only exclusive for members. And of course, it's all ad free. Yeah. That's Himalaya. They have an app for Android and iPhone or Apple, whatever yeah, you want to call Apple. it. We're not Apple people. Yeah. But, um, and you can import all your playlists. It's just a great app. No, we're not getting paid by them to say that. Nope. But that is where our premium episodes are. So if you can't get enough of Bad in the Boondocks, and by really, who can? <laughs> Who can get enough of us? Right. That's where you go get more. But anyways, um, also check out our Twitter if you want to. Go and press follow and maybe send us a little chat or something like that. Just look up Bad in the Boondocks. I think our handle was Bad Boondocks. Bad Boondocks. And um, Instagram, too. If you're an Instagram user, go and look up Bad in the Boondocks. And our handle there is bad, Boondocks Bad yeah, Indy. Boondocks Bad Indy. And go to Facebook and just look for our page there. It's Bad in the Boondocks looking on Facebook. And like that page, you can leave us a little comment there, too. Yeah. And on Twitter and um, Facebook, I post a couple of different articles and true crime-related stuff throughout the week. Yeah. Plus, it's just awesome to like us. Yeah. Okay, this week, last week I was really excited. I really enjoyed my story last week. I'm also excited this week. I really this enjoyed week. both of our stories last week. I think they were really smashing, baby. This week I'm also really excited. I'm excited to hear what Drew has for us, and I'm excited about my story also. I think this is going to be a really good episode. So, um, hopefully we don't disappoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. Yeah. But anyway, all right, guys, don't forget the biggest thing, though, is tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell the world, bad in the boondocks. Tell the world. Yeah. Yeah. Shout it from the mountaintops. 
Exactly. But we appreciate every one of y'all that listens to us, and we hope that you continue to listen to it. And how about subscribe? Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, because sometimes we do put out a new episode in the middle of the week. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to miss anything. Exactly. Don't miss nothing. only for the special times. (laughs) Oh, my God. Get out of here, dude. All right. I do believe that all of that business is out of the way, and I do believe that it is... Cute little Drew's time to go oh first. Gosh. Yeah, it is. Sure is. What you now got let for me tell you. Today? Before I get into it, I'm going to tell you where I got my stuff from. All my information. It's a plethora of places. I got my sources from Alcation.com and Mirror. I think that's a magazine, maybe. And then. Uh, watched a few videos on YouTube and also got information from newsforjacks.com. So, there you go. And my um, story is going to be on Joshua Phillips. But anyways, let's get into it. Where's he from? Are you about to tell I us? will get into that. You think you know your kids all too well until they do something shocking that you never believed they were capable of doing. Then you ask yourself, who is my kid? Where did I go wrong or what's wrong with my little Joshy? Have I contributed to my child's sudden delinquency? Or maybe it's just a mistake. Hopefully it's just a mistake. Kids can seem as normal and playful as they can be and still have that hidden intent to kill deep inside them. Or maybe just on the surface waiting to come out. How shocked must Melissa Phillips and Josh and Steve Phillips must have been to find out that their child, Joshua Phillips, was a murderer. Joshua Earl Patrick Phillips was born in Jacksonville, Florida, March 17, 1984. Of course, Florida. Yeah. He seemed like any other normal boy except for his fear of his father. His father, Steve Phillips, was very dominant in the household and would get violent with his wife and son. People people that knew him said he did have a very violent temper. He may have actually contributed to Joshua's intent to kill. He was terrified of his father and said he witnessed his father smashing through a wall with his fist when he walked into his parents' bedroom. Of course, his father was a drug addict of course, and an alcoholic, which probably contributed to his violent rage. So to say that Steve was a caring, loving parent would just be a major lie. This type of behavior in a parent, I feel like, would definitely contribute to acts of violence in a child. Maddie Clif- Clifton. She disappeared November 3, 1998, at around 5 o'clock p.m. Nobody understood what could have happened to her. The police's first suspect was a neighbor who was arrested 15 to 20 years earlier for sexual battery cases, but the charges were dropped. How old was she? I'll get into that. I'll say it later. Luckily, he did provide an alibi for the time of her disappearance because he failed the lie detector test. An extensive search was underway for Maddie, but was called off. The community and all the volunteers that assisted 
in the search decided to keep on searching and were determined to find Maddie. Of course, they came up with nothing. And the award, the award that was once $50,000, doubled to $100,000. And what year was this? Nineteen, um, in the nineties, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, so not so so long ago. Yeah, well, still twenty something. Yeah, years. well, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's that long ago. It really doesn't. One of the volunteers that assisted in the search was Let Joshua Phillips. Yeah. FBI became involved in the case, and the community decided to put up flyers all around town, hoping someone would know where she was. This came such a large case that TV series America's Most Wanted put the story on their TV show. Finally, finally, the search ended when Joshua's mother started to smell something coming from Joshua's bed while she was cleaning his room. Unsure of what it was, she went to investigate because his waterbed had also been leaking water. Wow, she, he still had a waterbed? Yeah. <clears throat> she found the body of poor Maddie Clifton. It was hidden in the base of the waterbed. Now, can you imagine finding a body in your child's room that had been missing all this time? Do you go to authorities, or do you do what some people do and help your child cover up the crime they had committed. Hell no, I call 911 and say, my <laughs> child well, has a damn body in my house, yeah. and it stinks, and first she's going to have to clean the shit up before <laughs> you come and get him. Yeah. As soon as she found her lifeless body. So, uh, I'm sorry, but was the dad still living with them at this time? Yeah. Uh, so they never got a divorce or anything like that? No. Okay. Well, I mean, for him to be so scared of his father, seems like his father would probably get a little bit mad if he killed someone and put it in his room. Well, wait till I finish the story. Okay. Then you can ask questions like that. Well, I might not have no questions. Yeah, because then I'll answer them all. Oh, there you go. I'll just be quiet. No, you can still no? say stuff, but I'm just saying I will get to that. Okay. She ran outside across the road where the police were and told them the horror she had found. Joshua. God. The horror. The horrific sight. I thought I missed something. No. Joshua was then arrested while he was at school and held in maximum security. He had his first court appearance and the evidence was damning. Did you say how old he was at this time? Are you going to get that? into Great that? God. Gosh, I well, will get into that. You could at least tell me what I don't want to yet because I put it in here at a specific spot for a purpose. Okay. Not really for a purpose, but. Continue. <laughs> it's really not that funny of a story. I mean, she was found in his room, and the cause of death was stabbing and beating with a baseball bat. Let's just say, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe his father may have done this and tried to cover it up by placing her in his waterbed. But that just wasn't the case. 
Joshua told everything he had done. Maddie came over while his parents were not home to come and play. Come and play with who? <sighs> Joshua. Well, how old was Joshua? I will get into that. <laughs> God. This was not a usual occurrence because his parents never allowed friends over while they were not home. So his friends were allowed to come over, just not while they weren't home, and that's not too much to ask. But anyways, she came over wanting to play baseball. They both were playing, and when Maddie pitched the ball, Joshua hit it. When the ball flew fast off the bat, it went straight to Maddie's eye. I think he. I think that's a lie. What do you mean? I think this is a bullshit. I think that it that actually happened. I don't. I do. I need to know how old he is, and then I'll. One hundred percent. I think that actually happened. He panicked, not knowing what to do, when she began to bleed, scream, and cry. So he goes and stuffed her in the bed. Yeah, that's what you do. All he could think of. That his he just couldn't spanking. let his father oh, find out. Yeah, so let's put a dead body that isn't going to decompose. He knew his father would be home soon. Joshua hit her over the head with the baseball bat to keep her quiet. He then carried Maddie's body to, to his room where he started to strangle her with a telephone cord. Oh, no. Uh-uh. This did not start with no baseball hitting her. Anyways, while all this was going on, Not one person could hear her scream at the top of her lungs, even if it was for 10 seconds. Not one person heard anything. If one person would have heard, then they could have, you know, pointed police to the vicinity of where the screams were coming from. He strangled her for a shocking 15 minutes, then hit her in the head again with the baseball bat. He had to hide the body before his father got home, so he stuffed her in the base of the bed. At the time, Joshua was 14 and Maddie was just 8 years old. I think he was getting sexual gratification from it. When Joshua's father got home, and went to talk to him and acted like nothing had happened. A few moments later, he went back to his room and heard a moaning sound. Somehow, Maddie was still alive. Joshua threw the top of the mattress off the top of the bed and stabbed her 11 times until she was no longer alive. She remained stuffed in his bed for seven days. Joshua acted as though nothing had happened, going on searches and still playing with his friends until his mother found the body. Joshua's story of how he committed the crime matched the autopsy performed on Maddie His trial took place at Polk County, Florida. There was more than enough evidence to find him guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. He may have gotten the death penalty had he not been under the age of 16. The autopsy that was done on Maddie's body showed no signs of sexual assault. Although her body was found naked from the waist down, I think that without being rude to you know, the family or victim, that he got he got off on her. I'm not saying that he had sex with her, but he got no, off on her. No, he got off on her. And he, I mean, he claimed that her clothes came off while he was driving her body, and right. I think that's bullshit, but I don't know. 
I feel also that the father should have gotten in. I mean, something done to him. Why? I mean, he did have a vi- I, at least. I mean, because other family members knew about his abusive behavior and stuff like that, and no one said anything really. No, but who turned him in? Nobody. All right, man. That's the thing. Nobody turned him in. But um, I think that he felt like mm, the father would maybe beat him if he found that Maddie came over while they weren't home and she got hurt. I understand that, but I meant she she was hurt. She was dead. Yeah. So I'm thinking if he hurts you because she's hurt, he's probably going to hurt you worse if she's dead. I don't know. Maybe he was thinking like. I understand that he's only fourteen years old. If he but you found know what? maybe strangling a, someone with a cord for fifteen minutes, stabbing them, having the sense, having the, the sense bat. to hide her body, his mind was not a little. And child it's not just point. like hiding it in the woods or no. or in a garden. No, it's can taking apart your bed and putting, and putting it in it there. In and the bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I don't even know how that would work. I don't either. I really don't. I mean, I would have to see the bed. I'm guessing, like a lot of okay, I will say this. Maybe there's like a lot a of old timey yeah, in the back. There's there is some room. A lot of old timey bed. Um, the well, the old water beds. They would have like this big wood thing around them. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and so hit them up under it, right. and then the, there was a little bit of space. Probably the probably water could. sort of took the imprint of well, because the body. you had to have space for the bed to kind of expand. Yeah, so maybe the water sort of took the imprint right of the body, so it didn't look like much. Well, Steve Phillips, Joshua Phillips' father, he was killed in a car crash in 2000. And this happened in 1998. So, shortly after the trial, Maddie Clifton's parents divorced after 25 years of marriage. On November 17, 2017, a retrial was underway, and he was again sentenced to life. But guess what? At this time, he was eligible for parole in 2023 god that seems like the future don't it well, great it's, lord it's really not whenever you say it it seems like the I know, future 2023 it's now that's only four years 2023 that seems like the freaking future well it is the future yeah it is but i'm saying like <laughs> the future future where flying cars and crap you know? it could be i doubt it um, i mean they do have some but i mean it's not like where you well, can just drive around yeah i get what you're saying like total recall and they would have to, I mean, they would have to change up the roads. The the well, wouldn't really have roads if the cars were flying. Not flying like that, but hovering. It wouldn't oh. be flying. It would be hovering. Well, I'm talking about Jetsons type thing now. Oh my gosh! So why don't you like, just buy your own? Why don't you just buy your own little jet or something? There you go. Or helicopter. That's even better. Uh-huh. A small helicopter. Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now. The I'm going to basically read words, and this is from Jessica Clifton, which was Maddie's sister. Now, was she older or younger? She was older. Okay. She was 11 at the time this took place, and basically she's talking about the retrial. This is in, she's reading this in 2017. I find it a little bit hard, though, how in, the, it seems like they were living in like a housing development. It seems like that, yeah. How no one noticed or heard anything. That's what I was saying. 
how did no one hear anything? Because I know that whenever I got, I mean, whenever you get hit I, with a freaking well on our road, when you, if y'all are down, you can hear a fourth people of a talking. Mile, I can hear you talking, but you I definitely would talking. hear y'all screaming because I would always screaming, race down there. I mean, you would know about it. I don't understand it. So but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm gonna read this though. Um, quote. She doesn't get the chance to walk on this earth again. So why should he? I don't think I would feel safe. I would not feel safe at all. And I think that this is just worldly consequences. You do something wrong and you pay the price. I miss her very much. To think in my mind that we could potentially have to sit through another weak process of trying to keep him in prison is a little overwhelming. My stomach has been hurting all morning. If I can get as many people as I can to say just a little prayer, my mother and father have been so through so much, they don't even understand how much it helps. And that's it. That's the story. That was kind of bullcrap, but I have a lot of questions. What? A lot of questions that are going unanswered. What? Like I was saying, like how nobody heard any of the screaming. I don't know. Or saw, or even saw them out there playing baseball. You know, for like when they're looking for maybe them, it say, was like oh a yeah, gate. she maybe was, was over like there little, playing. Maybe it was football. like a gated thing. I don't know. Here's my theory or something. She's she's my theory is she, she got tried. out the house. She may have said, I mean, she probably, she may have not told her parents that, oh, I'm going to go play with a friend or something. But why would police not, I don't know. I just don't know why he wasn't a suspect whenever he's a friend of hers. Yeah. Why he wasn't um, questioned sooner, I guess I could say, but I, I just don't know. I don't know how no one heard or nothing. But anyways, that's my story. And now we are going to have a promo for Bloody Murder. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And we do Bloody Murder. We're a weekly true crime podcast that focuses on some of the lesser-known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. We're a comedy podcast with a dark sense of humour. But we're dead serious about murder and the people it affects. We find humour in some unexpected places. But never at the expense of the victims or their families. We've been described as the blue cheese of podcasting. Addictive, strong and satisfying. And a bit stinky. I am not. You know you are. Bloody Murder. Murder is available on your favorite podcatcher. All right, and go make sure and check out Bloody Murder. They're bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> that All was the right. corniest thing I know, ever. I know. Okay, um, now for mine, I got my sources are Mirror. Mirror? Yes. Yeah. Same as mine. Yeah. And also Jim. Fisher's book. Oh. It is called. Um, oh shoot! What is it called? It is called Blood Stain. Not Blood Stain. It's Crimson Stain. And also, I got from Jim Fisher online. Jim Fisher. Okay. Yes. 
he he was like really big on this, and it was really hard to find. I I got it from also a few news articles put together. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to find a lot of stuff on this it, because yeah, simply I mean, because it's... of what it was, who it is. But mainly, oh, also I will say that I do know of one other podcast that covered this story, and that is the devil that the devil we know. Yeah. So you could listen to them if but you the, want to, but I did not listen. Yeah, but the odd thing is, all the all the really really good stories are really hard to find. Stuff never, never can find hardly anything on them, and it's cr- crazy. All right. Ah, uh, ah, uh, the Amish. <laughs> what comes to mind when you think of them? Maybe purity. No, no, no technology. Simple life. Horses and buggies, beautiful wooden furniture, beards, isolation, murder, (laughs) probably not. Probably not. However, mental illness reaches out even to the most isolated of individuals, even to the Amish. And sometimes that mental illness left untreated and coupled with other factors, well, that can lead even the purest down a road to darkness. And so starts our story of Edward Gingrich. Edward Gingrich belonged to the Amish religious sect, and he is the only member ever convicted of murder. The Amish have settlements in 22 states in America, and in these settlements they separate themselves from the modern world. They shun technology, electricity, divorce, and even modern medicine. One of the states that has Amish settlements is Pennsylvania. Definitely. Yeah. And this is where Edward moved with his parents in 1983. It was in Crawford County that they settled. Why is every freaking date around your stupid birthday? I know. 1984, Edward proposed marriage to Katie. 
On a rainy day, which could have been a foreboarding of things to come, the couple married in December of 1986. In the beginning of the marriage, the two lived in the basement of Katie's parents until a home of their own could be built. It was in the spring of 1987 that Katie became pregnant with the couple's first child. On on September the 20th, 1987, Katie gave birth to a son in which they named Danny. Old Danny. Old Danny boy. While Katie was overjoyed, Edward was not that interested in being a father. And he began spending a lot more time alone, and for the most part, he ignored his new family. However, Katie did not let this keep her down. She figured that this was just a spell he was going through, and it should be known that in the Amish community, problems at home are kept there. What I mean by that is that the Amish, right, they do not believe in going and telling others about anything that happens within the immediate family. You not even to your parents or your best friends. They don't have nothing to do with them. Matters of the home are to be dealt with within the home. So Katie continued doing what she loved to do, such as working in the garden and attending church. That fun. And prayed that everything would get better. Speaking of church, which is a very large part of the Amish life. Yeah. Edward did not even like this fundamental part of the Amish lifestyle. Now, Amish do not have church every Sunday. Usually it's every other Sunday. However, it can last three hours or more. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind. When they do have it. And it's a very huge thing. Church is usually held in one of the community members' homes, and that member is given a long notice before it's their turn to host church. It's really like they are completely shut off from any other community. They are. And it's like they're still in the 1800s. It is. Good God, that's boring. That gives the family time to really clean their house, gather, and prepare all the food in which they are to provide to everyone after church. And it is like that. And I'm telling you, whenever I went to Pennsylvania, Mm-mm. I just I got way. lost on my way to where I was supposed to be going. And all of a sudden, I was almost hitting a buggy because I had stumbled upon Amish country. No. And it is. I mean, they're just... Everywhere. Yeah, it's bucked as horses and buggies. And you don't, they don't talk to you. Like, they don't, they will answer very shortly because I stopped at a store to ask one of their stores, but they don't mingle with English. One of their stores. So yeah. it's literally just them and like right. a whole huge area. Yes. Stores everything. That is. Yes, they have their own stores and all that. Mm-hmm. It's really like they are just separate from everybody. It's like a yes. wooden shack or is it a normal no, store? No, they have, they have nice houses. Now, the, the stores were, it was small. Because it doesn't have an electronic crash register or anything like that. And they don't have Electricity. They don't have fans. Their houses and stuff are very nice, though. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. But they don't have any kind of air conditioner. No. So how do they get cool? Windows. (laughs) Dude, I would die. You would die because you would be sweating like I don't know what. Okay. All right, y'all. Let's get back to Edward. It was in July of 1988 that Edward started to have dizzy spells and headaches. He also began to sleep a lot. This is starting to sound like me. No, it's exactly <laughs> like you. So, Katie made an appointment for Edward with Dr. Merritt Terrell. He was their Amish settlement's preferred medic. Dr. Merritt diagnosed that Edward needed a toe-pulling 
which is just what it sounds like, a gentle pulling of the toes until they crack. Are you serious? Yes, and a foot rub. A foot rub? Yes. That's pretty weird. He also gave Edward a jar of blackstrap molasses. For what? That was to purify the blood. Okay. This cutting-edge diagnosis cost the Gingriches $25. Cutting-edge. Shockingly, (laughs) however, Edward did not seem to improve. Wow, I wonder why. Even after yet more visits to the good doctor and more blackstrap molasses. So they have no antibiotics. They don't... They don't believe in... No, nothing. On March 21st, 1989, Katie gave birth to their second son, Enos. And still, Edward, for the most part, ignored his family. Around this time, Edward did tell Katie that he was not happy living the Amish lifestyle. On December 3rd, 1989, the sawmill burnt to the ground. And, of course, it was not insured. However, Edward was given permission to build a new sawmill. On March 13th, 1990, Katie gave birth to their daughter, Mary. Well, that's something. Given permission to build a new sawmill yes. instead of being made to build it. After this birth, Edward refused to sleep with his new wife, with his wife because he was scared that she would become pregnant again. And that was not something Ooh. that Edward had any desire for. Yeah. Because, you know, Amish, they have like 16 kids. or I know that yeah. they do. That's crazy. All right. Um, He now told Katie that he wanted to leave the sect. In August, he met born-again Christian David Lindsay. And David tried to convert Edward, and Edward was not completely opposed to what David was telling him, such as that Edward's wife was evil. All this time, Edward and Katie had been living with their parents, but in November of 1991, they finally moved into their own home. As they did this, Edward's health began to drastically deteriorate even further. His health was not at all improved by the solvent exposure that he was subjected to in the shop. So no one can find out what's wrong with him. When his mental state became completely impaired, he once again he went to Dr. Terrell. This resulted in a shoulder rub. Oh my God, dude, they suck at that. Right foot manipulation and another jar of black strap molasses. Oh my gosh, that sounds like the stupidest thing ever. After this visit, Edward began howling out loud as well as racing around the living room on all fours. I mean, they, they think that just a good old foot rub is going to handle a problem that... Well, that was a shoulder rub this time. Yeah, but that's not going to Fix anything, I don't know. Okay, in March of 1992, Edward was finally admitted to a mental health institution. About time. He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and given medication. Well, he needed to go to... He was then released on April 3rd, 1992. However, he did not take his medication once released because it was against the Amish way. Oh, my God. His insanity quickly returned with a vengeance. See, that's where it's a problem. Like whenever right. you have people that are yep. foot deal- rubs don't help with schizophrenia. Stuff. Foot rubs don't help that. And mental illness strikes Gosh. all people. That's what I'm saying. Like throughout 1992, his behavior grew more and more bizarre. He was taken back to a doctor, and Edward said that he thought he had a bad case of liver cancer. Don't know why, but that's what he thought. He was committed again for 10 days and released. Things worsened. 
Then on March 17, 1993, Edward was taken to see a special healer. Oh my God, they are so freaking weird. Why? He was Jacob Troyer, and he was a 46-year-old Amish. But this doctor told Katie that Edward had a mental problem and that she needed to take him to the hospital because he said he was afraid of suicide. So at least that daughter did tell her. Yeah. Katie did not take this man's advice, though. Oh, my and God. instead, she took Edward home. At this time, Edward was having insomnia as well as very bad dreams when he was able to sleep. He was also suffering from terrible headaches, and he had now started to hear voices that were not real. The next morning, Edward slept until 9 o'clock a.m., which is weird because most Amish are up and working Six. by 4. 4? Four? 4, yes. What time do they get to bed? Well, I mean, with no lights or nothing, probably around 8 or 9. Good God, that is crazy. Edward was taken back to Dr. Terrell, who this time massaged his scalp and gave him, quote, liver pills. Weird ass This same day, the Amish people were celebrating a wedding. Katie, however, would not let her husband go because she was afraid of how he might act. Then at dusk, while the three children played on the floor in the kitchen of their house, Edward just got up and punched his wife in the face while he shouted at her, I am the devil. Katie yelled to Danny to run and get Dan Gingrich, which was Edward's brother. He did so while the other two children remained behind. When Danny reached his uncle's house, he told him that Daddy isn't well, and Danny immediately went to the house. When Danny got to Edward's house, Edward was now on top of Katie and was punching her in the face. He then stood up, and he smashed his right foot into her mouth and nose. Ow. Dan did try to stop his brother, but then he ran to the nearest house to get more help, and the nearest house was an English house, and he called 911. What, they couldn't, he couldn't get her get him off? Well, he was a little afraid of him. Oh. Back at the Gingrich house, things had gone from bad to absolute hell. Edward got up and put on his work boots and again smashed his wife in the face, this time crushing her head and causing her brains to begin oozing out. Ow. Next, he undressed Katie. Remember, the kids are here for all this. Yeah. After he undressed Katie, he first scraped her brains out with his fingers. Oh my God, that is disgusting. He got a steak knife, and he made a seven-inch cut in which he removed Katie's heart. Oh my goodness, that is just something. He then took out Katie's lungs. He removed her spleen, her liver, her kidneys, her ovaries, and her intestines. Her ovaries? And her intestines. He then took all the organs and stacked them in a very neat pile on top of the brains next to the corpse. Well, those kids are scarred for life. Then Edward washed himself off in the sink, threw the Bible into the fire, and told the children to put on their coats because he was taking them to Granddad's house. He was really crazy. He told them that after that he was going to come back to burn down their house. 
He sure wasn't possessed. Edward was arrested near his house at a dirt road intersection. He was slowly walking and holding the hand of his daughter. He was also mumbling biblical passages and making vague statements about the devil. He also said, quote, I am the bad guy. My father will understand. When Trooper Rouse told Edward to take his boots and coat off, Edward did. As he did this, a large piece of flesh fell to the ground. While in custody, Edward was really talking gibberish. It really seemed like he did not know the seriousness of what he had done. He even told the police multiple times that he was sure they could help and save Katie, even though he had removed all her organs. Oh my goodness. The trial began March 24th, 1994 at the Crawford County Courthouse. The jury did not find Edward not guilty because of reasons of insanity. How? Now, it is very clear that Edward was insane. And if they had made this verdict, then Edward would have gotten the intense level of treatment he so needed. Also, he would have had an indeterminate stay at a psychiatric facility until the doctors felt that he was no longer a threat to himself or the public. Instead, the jury found him guilty of involuntary manslaughter but mentally ill. Involuntary manslaughter. But because of mentally illness. With this verdict, he was sentenced to the maximum allowable to the law. That was... Only five years at the State Correctional Institution. Gosh, he doesn't need five years in prison. But since he had already been jailed for a year awaiting trial, he had to serve four years. <coughs> that is so stupid. And Edward was released on March 19, 1998 with no stipulations. He had served his time. These people are stupid. He moved to Harmony Haven, which is an Amish mental health center for a time. So he didn't even really know that he was... I mean, it's just crazy. And then he moved to Cambridge Springs. In 2007, Edward kidnapped his daughter from a buggy, and he held her hostage for five days. For this, he was given six months probation and fined $500. Oh, my God. After that, he was taken in by a couple that had a farm. He would help around the farm, cleaning and feeding the animals. Mm-mm. The couple described Edward as very polite and no trouble. Wow. One morning at the age of 44, Edward told the couple that he was going to feed the horses. When Edward had not returned to the house a few hours later, the wife went to the barn to look for him. Killed the horses. It was in the barn that Edward was found. He had hung himself. Uh. The only type of note that was left was in the dust of a barrel. Scrawled in the barrel dust were the words, I'm sorry. Good God. That is the story of Edward. That's really messed up, though. The only Amish to ever be convicted of murder. I just don't know why he was not. Because it's helped. I mean, Amish way. I know, but like the doctor said, you've got to go to get, basically, just get help, and nothing was done. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I don't really, I mean, he wasn't in any kind of state. If he had taken medication, he might have probably would have been okay. And she wouldn't be dead. No. But I mean, for it to be the only one, that was quite the murder. I know it was. I mean, he was just insane. 
I mean, so to crazy. scoop out somebody's brain. That, I mean, while your kids are sitting there watching, you're not. You cannot be normal in the head. No, to do that, and then to There's think that you no can still way. save her. I mean, he was just—he was just crazy, but I don't even know about that. That's crazy. All right, guys and gals. That's all I got to say about that. That brings us to another ending of Bad at the Boondocks. Oh, which do you think? I don't even have to ask. Why is yours always better in some way? Mine's always, mine is usually more gruesome. <laughs> which is. Mine's more gory. Better. It is. It's I think lot. both stories were good. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, Remember, please rate and review us if you don't mind on Apple or whatever platform you use. Yeah. Think about switching over to Himalaya where there you can become a member and get member-only privileges. Premium access, baby. Ad-free, of course. And extra episodes, mini episodes, full episodes, and the community, which is a little private group that we can discuss stuff in. Yeah. It's a little private. Yeah. Anyway, that's what we got for y'all this week. Yeah, that's it. We do thank you so much for listening. Once again, I'm always Stan. That's not how it goes. Say it again. You don't always say I'm always Stan. What do you say? I have been Stan. And I'm always Drew. And we'll see you next time. In the boondocks, baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs>